Hey there everybody and welcome to the Biathlon Podcast. We've got a special holiday season mailbag edition for you where we'll be opening up Santa's mailbox and seeing what letters have been written into the podcast. Without further ado, let's get to it. Oh, welcome everybody. I hope you are all having a very nice holiday season. It is Tuesday, the 27th of December, as I talk to you now. And I hope, yeah, everyone's in, enjoying the Christmas period. We've got a little mailbag show for you here today. Got a couple of questions that have been sent in. Appreciate those of you who did send questions in. And feel free to send them in as the season goes on. If we've got a, a week or two off throughout the season, I'll come back to uh, to those. And you can send them in at the Biathlon Podcast at Gmail. Com. Before we dive into the questions, though, we do have some festive biathlon heading your way because the World Team Challenge is on tomorrow evening over at the Gelsenkirchen Football Stadium, uh, where Schalke play over there. And we've got a pretty good race on the cards here. I'm not going to do a full preview of it because these races are a bit of a crapshoot at the best of times. Pretty hard to tell who's going to win. But we've got some good teams in there. We've got the traditional two German teams. And we've got Denise Herman, Vic and Benny Dole going as Team 1. With Vanessa Voigt and Philip Norath as Team 2. Uh, the World Team Challenge, if, you, if you've if you never seen it before, definitely worth a watch. Uh, you've got the Mass Start there. It's like a mixed format. You've got the Mass Start and the Pursuit. Like a relay between the uh, the male and female athletes in there. So as I say, those are two German teams. Uh, Herman, Vic and Dole and Voigt and Norath. We've also got Dorothea Vera and Tommaso Giacomel from Italy. Uh, Ukraine sending a team, Yulia Zima and Anton Dudchenko uh, running out for them. Finland with Murray Ada and Tero Sepala. Lisa Teresa Hauser and Felix Leitner going for Austria. And we've got the Czechs of Davidova and Kritschmar. Kritschmar obviously after uh, some pretty good running over in Annecy. Uh, Lena Heike Gross and Joshua Burkhalter going for Switzerland. Then we've got possibly the favourites, uh, Julia Simon the women's overall leader, and she's there with Fabienne Cloud. Apparently, Phil Maye was approached for this, but didn't uh, didn't want to go. Maybe just getting himself right for the uh, the season starting up again. And then the last team we've got Ingrid Landmark Tandrevold doing really well, of course, in this season over on the women's side, and she is running with Vetcher Schorstad Christensen. So some really strong teams in there. I think in Recent years, obviously with COVID, the uh, the sort of quality of the non-German teams maybe took a little bit of a hit, but really, really strong teams across the board. I think in terms of my favourites, I'm going to gonna have to go with the the Norwegians. I like Tandrevold and Christensen's chances in this. Tandrevold going really well. Christensen obviously coming into some form after a little bit of a tricky start to the season. He was running great over in Annecy as well. Um, but there are some there are some great teams in here. I mean, Davidova and Kritschmeier could do well. Um, all comes down to the shooting with them. Leitner hasn't had the best start to the season. Uh, he was looking a lot better last year, so maybe if he's starting to come into some form, uh, him and Hauser, obviously Hauser are a winner this year on the World Cup as well. And then the German teams, I think Dole had that podium place, the only non-Norwegian to get a podium over in Annecy on the male side. Um, so we know he's going well. Herman Vicks obviously had a great start to the season as well, another winner on the women's side. So they're going to be tough to beat, but Norath and Voigt are an interesting one. A lot of this comes down to the shooting. It's short laps. A lot of shooting. We know Vanessa Voigt's great on the range. And I think she might be able to stick with some of the other athletes around her. We haven't got the real speed sort of other than other than Herman Vick, of course. But I think she, I think Voigt might be able to keep pace with the likes of Vera Tandrevold. Um, 
and of course Julia Simon's going to be the uh, the real wild card. I think she might miss quite a lot. Um, I think that's the strongest team on paper, Simon and Cloud. But I, I don't fancy their chances for some reason in this. As I say, anyone can win. Um, I think that the longest shot in there, possibly Ukraine and Switzerland. Heike Gross, not at her best form at the moment, but having a decent start. Uh, whereas Burkhalter, obviously, um, not a name that we see necessarily in the World Cup every week. Um, but you never know. You never know in these kind of events. Hopefully the crowd's going to be great. It's good, going to be good to have the, the stadium back. Obviously, we've had it in roof holding for a couple of years there. Um, so, yeah, World Team Challenge tomorrow over in Germany. Uh, definitely try and seek that one out. I'm sure it'll be on YouTube if it's not on your sort of more local uh, TV. So that's the World Team Challenge sorted. Let's go on to the mailbag now and answer some of your questions. So we've got four questions that have come in that I'm going to answer here today. And as I say, if you like this uh, mailbag episode, feel free to get in some questions of your own. We can do it again uh, if you want to. But let's get straight into it. And we start off uh, from my home country. This is Edward in the UK who sent this one in. Uh, I won't read out all of your emails, um, guys that sent these in. Um, but yeah, I'll just sort of take out the, uh, the the question bit of it. And Edward over there says, uh, is it fair that Taibo remains on the Norwegian team after his run of bad form this year? Uh, goes on a little bit and says, shouldn't he move over and let someone else have a chance going forward to the next Olympics? And I do feel like this is something, I don't know if how much it's been spoken of over in Norway. Um but I've seen it sort of mentioned on the commentary. A couple of articles I've seen sort of just uh, just highlighting his form and also the uh, the contenders who might come in to uh, to that Norwegian team should tell you both to step back. I mean, in the question straight away, is it fair that he remains on the team? I think it is absolutely fair. I think Taibo's career basically stands for itself. He's won the overall. I know that was a while back, but he's won races not that long ago. He's won races in recent history. He's not had a terrible season, I don't think. He had a bad start over there in Continuati, a tough day in the individual, but then they won the relay. He was a big part of that relay team. 18th in the sprint, 9th in the pursuit. I mean, two top 20s. From his sort of point of view, I know he'd want to do better than that, but that's not terrible um, at all. Then he went over to Hockfields and 39th in the sprint. That's a rough day. He missed four on that day, um, which in the sprint, you know, that's that's not a great day at the range. But then in the pursuit, worked his way up to 16th, which is a decent enough uh, race from him there. And then in Annecy, I thought he was looking fine. He was shooting well. Uh, just one miss in the sprint and then two in the pursuit and the mass start each. Um, 14th, 15th. And then in the mass start, a sixth place. I think if someone's getting in the top 10, you can't say it's time for them to, to take a step back from the team. I think he's obviously not at his peak form, but we've seen it with a lot of people. Feel my age, obviously, a, a big example of this as well. It's tough to come into the season, bang on form, and just start, you know, taking wins, taking podiums. Obviously, Johanna's is, uh, and Ligreed are doing that this year, but. I think at 34, it's absolutely fine that Ty is still, you know, in the running. And I think the other factor of this is who would come in and replace him uh, if he did move away. And I, the, the only name that would really make sense would be Andre Stromsheim, who's been tearing it up over on the IBU Cup. 
Uh, he's got four wins already over there, um, three in sprints, and then one in an individual as well. Um, he's skiing well, but his shooting hasn't been flawless. He missed five in the pursuit. Um, we still finished second, but five misses there. Five misses uh, in the most recent race over in Ridnown. Um, sixth place again. He In the pursuit, he missed seven. He came seventh. So he's not suffering in terms of the results. But I think promoting someone who's just missed seven in the pursuit and then missed five, it's, I think that's a tough ask, really. And a sixth place for Tyre. I think if Tyre had gone into this Christmas break on the back of maybe not even getting a top 20 in Annecy, you could maybe start to think, not that he should go down to IBU Cup, but maybe just take a little rest before the World Championships or something like that. But I think that sixth place proves that he's in decent enough form to uh, to keep his place there. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure Edward was saying that he thinks that Taibo should, um, should move over there. But it's an interesting question. I'd be interested to know what other people think of this. And maybe for Norwegian listeners out there, what the what the sort of feeling over is, is over there in Norway, uh, whether people are thinking that he that he should move aside. I think that maybe not move aside out of the team, but it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what the relay team looks like, because uh, obviously Johannes and Ligreed are pretty much just nailed in unless they're resting. Um, but I think Ligreed taking that first leg, Johannes ideally taking the uh, the the anchor leg or the third leg. He's done well at both. Christensen had a tough start to the season, but he's obviously come into form recently. So I think Christensen on the anchor leg makes sense. So that's three out of the four. And then you're looking at that last person and, you know, Philip Field Anderson's had an excellent start to the season. Is there a case that he should be the, the sort of permanent fixture in there? I think until Taya, you know, ruins a relay race for the Norwegians, he's proved that he can you know, run with the best in the relays. He's not up against the, you know, the best of the best in in his leg every time. So he often is the best in his leg. And I I, th- I think that they'll keep faith with him. Um, we don't actually have a relay until, ooh, is it roof holding? Yeah, men's relay and roof holding. So 13th of January. So we're in uh, Slovenia first up. And then we're going over to roof holding. There'll be a relay there. And, and be interested to see whether Ty makes that. But in terms of staying on the team, I think that is a no-brainer. Uh, anyway, let's go on to the next question. This one is uh, from Molly uh, over in the USA. Uh, yeah, really appreciate you writing in there, Molly. Um, and uh, Molly says, what do you think of France's suits this year? I can't get over the fact that I think they look like jesters. And that's... Uh, I kind of see what you mean. I hadn't thought it myself, but now you've said it, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get that out of my head. It does have a bit of a jestery vibe. I will uh, I will give you that. I don't mind them. I pretty much, my approach on suits is as long as I can tell who's who, then I don't really mind. I think Sweden have the best suits because you always know who they are. Big yellow guys right there. You're not missing Sweden. I'm not the biggest fan of Norway's this year. They're a little bit plain, a little bit sort of washed out, just, just sort of dark blue, really. Um, France's, uh, they are a bit weird. The sort of, uh, the two-tone ones. I quite like the light blue that they've had for a while, but they did used to have a very similar, um, suit back when Four Card was kind of at his best. I can't think what years that would be. Maybe sort of 2012, 2013. They did have this sort of look, so it's not too crazy. Um, but yeah, now you've mentioned it. I don't think I'm going to be. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to see it without thinking of that question there. So cheers for that, Molly. Appreciate it. 
Um, moving on to the next question. This one was from uh, Laura or Laura uh, in Finland. Um, apologies for sort of pronunciation there. Um, but interesting question. This says after Anna Magnuson in France, who do you think will be the next shock winner if we have one? Um, now, next shot winner, I assume you're meaning this year, uh, Laura. So that's what I'm kind of sticking with. And by shock, I have taken this to mean anyone that essentially hasn't won before um, and hasn't sort of looked like they're going to win necessarily. Because, I mean, Magnuson, that race was amazing. And I don't think anyone saw that coming. Um, it, she wasn't in the contenders. I mean, when I'm looking at the bets before the races, um, I don't think I've even mentioned her as a dark horse for any of these races. Um, so that was an amazing victory for Magnuson uh, in that sprint. I was looking at the names. I think the person who wouldn't necessarily be a shock winner because she has won before, um, but Marieda, I think, you know, question there from Finland. Had to give a shout out to Marieda. Doesn't really qualify for me here, uh, but she's the fifth fastest woman in in the World Cup level at the moment. Uh, and obviously one of those is Anna Maria Lampic. Lampic could also be another shout here, I think, because if she carries on skiing this fast, she just has to put it together in the range one time and you've got to assume she's going to win. Um, but again, I think the, the hype around Lampage kind of means that that wouldn't, it would be a shock, but not a real shock on the sort of Magnuson level. Um, so I've got a couple of names here, a couple on the women's side, a couple on the men's side. I think after Annecy, it'd be pretty tempting to say one of the two young French athletes, Eva Lou Jamonot or Sophie Chavot there, um, kind of different ways of, of getting it done. Jamonot's been really good in the range, really reliable with the rifle, whereas Chavot out of nowhere is just um, skiing really, really well, skiing in sort of the top 15 in terms of ski speed and was holding her own over there in, in the mass start. You could see her, you know, accelerating away from people up that sort of really long climb that they have uh, on, the, on the tracks there. So those two, I think, would be the most likely in terms of who might be sort of a bit of a shock winner. Um, but there is that little bit of hype around them. So I wanted to go for a bit more of an obscure name. And the one I like here is Amy Berserger. Um, young athlete over there on the Swiss team, not really pulling up any trees this year in terms of performance, but quietly going out of business really well, shooting at 92% this season so far. She's got World Cup points in every single race. She didn't race in Hotfields, though, so she has only actually raced three times. Um, but 20th in the pursuit over in, in Annecy. Very solid, very solid athlete, as I say, in the range. The ski speed is a bit tougher, so you might wonder, maybe in the individuals, we have individuals coming up uh, over in Rupolding, they can throw up some weird results, those sort of mid-season individual races. Uh, obviously, we had... Um, oh, who... Babakov winning uh, winning last year in the uh, in the individual, which really came out of nowhere, and it was a kind of a little bit of that of that shock victory. Um, so Amy Berserger is my real real long shot. I I'm assuming that you meant this season as well, and I think maybe it's unlikely um, that we see that we see it this season. But in the future, you never know. I mean, it's uh, she's only 22, so I think she's definitely a, a future potential star. Um, she's won junior world championships, uh, won the sprint and the pursuit in 2021, so last year or two years ago, really. Um, so she's a great prospect, and it could I could see that just uh, 
just happening. Maybe not this year, though. Maybe next year. Um, over on the men's side, I'm sticking with the, uh, the Swiss team there because Nicholas Hartberg, I think, could potentially take a win. Again, I think it's more likely to happen in a race like the individual or maybe a sprint where we've got a lot of misses from the bigger names. Uh, the ski speed is getting to where it needs to be. But with the likes of Johannes and Ligreed skiing and shooting as they are, I think the the individual might be his best hope. Because uh, he's shooting 92% on the season, only 86% in the stand, which is a little bit of a weakness there. Um, but 86% obviously very, very, you know, very good result there for Hartbeg so far. And if he can just keep it going, he's a little bit sort of further on in his development than than Amy Pesurga that I mentioned on the women's side. But Harvick's got a, a great season so far, and if he can just sort of keep that going, I think, again, Rupolding could be an interesting one for someone like him. Uh, on the other side of it, sort of uh, shooting quite badly, but skiing really well and in action tomorrow at the, the World Team Challenge there for Italy is Tommaso Giacomo. There was a lot of hype around him last season. He did really well coming into the season and then didn't really have brilliant results. But this season, he's been a little bit sort of a little bit quieter in terms of uh, results, but he's been skiing really, really well. Uh, he's skiing at a similar sort of speed on average to the likes of Seb Samuelson, uh, Philip Fjeld-Anderson, both of whom have been on the podium this year already. Um, so it would be a shock, definitely, if Jacmel could win, but a little bit like someone like a Lampich. If he can shoot the perfect score, He's got every chance, depending on other people slipping up, of getting on the podium. And who knows, maybe even a shock win. I think the likelihood is that we won't have another really big shock this season. Um, I think the the sort of bigger names might dominate the wins um, on, on both sides there. But we'll, we'll be hoping for one because Biathlon's always amazing when you've got uh, those sort of shock winners like an Anna Magnuson or like a Sophie Chavot getting the fourth place there. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed we will get another one. I'm not 100% sure we will, though. Um, and the last question here before I uh, wrap things up and uh, go and get myself a, a mulled wine is Bradley from Colorado, uh, who wrote in a bit of a longer question this. Um, he said, do you think there's any chance that Roisland could push for the overall Crystal Globe this season? Uh, the reason in here is that uh, he says here she'll be fresher than the rest. There's more points for a win this year, so if others go off the boil, she might have the potential to catch up. And it's an interesting uh, interesting point there um, for Bradley, because they have changed the points, how that works, and we sort of delved into that in the first episode of this season. So you get 90 points for the win, which means that in theory, we've got, so we've got six World Cup meetings left. Obviously, the World uh, Championships don't count towards the overall this time. Um, six events, only 13 races, though, because obviously relays won't count. So that's 1,170 potential points that could be up for grabs. So you think, all right, there may be something could happen there. But when you think that Julius Simon's already got 471 um, points, it's a tough ask to catch up. I feel like I've got that wrong. How much has Julius Simon got? as I scrabble around to find out. Anyway, as I do that, I'll carry on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, you look at it and you think maybe there's a chance um, that 
you know, Roisling could come back, go on an absolute tear. Her stated aim has been that she wants to win golds at the World Championships, which is why I don't think we're going to see her back to her best right away in Pot Yuka. Uh, definitely. Um, we've got three World Cups before that World Championships, so I think more likely we could see Roisler maybe dominate the World Championships like we saw her do uh, over in Antolts a couple of years ago, um, where she sort of didn't really put any weight on the on the overall uh, and just went for those world championships. So I think that's more likely. If she got an average of 40 points for every race, then she'd end up with 520 points. And when you think someone, someone is on 471, I was right about that. All right, so when you think someone's already got that and 40 point average, which wouldn't be bad for Rosalind at all, would only give her 520. I think it's very unlikely. It would be an amazing story, though, if we had Roizen come back and just dominate, if she could win two races straight away in Pogyuka. I mean, it'd make you wonder why she didn't start the season, which also leads me to think she probably won't be in the best shape coming into the first race, the fact that she had to sort of take that extra time to prepare. So can she do it? Yes, in theory. Will she do it? I very, very much doubt that she'll even try. I think it will just be a straight run over at the World Championships in Oberhof. Um, so those were those were the questions. And I really appreciate you guys sending those in. Um, as I say, I think I'm going to leave it there. Wish you all very uh, happy holidays. Uh, I hope you all have a good new year too. And I'll be back with you to preview the next World Cup races, which are over in Slovenia. So Merry Christmas, and I hope you all have a great time. I'll see you down the road.